Welcome to more details, please, with your hosts, Emmanuel and Angela Williams, where we dive deeper into conversations with visionary entrepreneurs to discover what it takes to turn passion into purpose. Listen to real-world stories from self-starters and trailblazers and discover strategies and innovations shaping a greener future. Whether you are a seasoned business person or just starting out, let this be your go-to resource for inspiration and actionable tips for success. Join us now as we create a brighter, greener future together. Welcome to More Details, Please, broadcasting live in the Business Phoenix Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona, where we help entrepreneurs turn their passion into purpose. We're your hosts, Angela and Emmanuel Williams. And today we're in the studio with Lorraine Hamilton. We're so excited to have Lorraine in the studio with us. And what's super exciting is Lorraine and I are natural born learners together. So it's always interesting to run into another natural learner. Just can't help it. So today's episode is entitled Reboot Your Enthusiasm at Work. So it highlights enthusiasm as how we discover how it can work in our business as well. So our guest is going to highlight the value of optimism. I said enthusiasm, but optimism. And discuss how nurturing a high vibe of hope and positivity keeps our minds open to focus on solutions and overcoming challenges. Well, Lorraine, I want to thank you for your time and your space and your energy for coming on to our podcast. Our podcast was designed and the purpose of it is that in the entrepreneurial lifestyle, there's a lot of journeys. There's a lot of ups and downs and there's a lot of things that we have to juggle. And for you to take your entrepreneur um, experience and your passion and turn it into purpose by serving a greater good. That's what this podcast is really, really all about. So we're excited about hearing your nuggets of wisdom, your journey, how you have empowered others, and what is the future for you and and your business. So thank you for being here. We appreciate it. So Lorraine is the founder of Lorraine Hamilton Coaching. And I went to your website and I was telling her when we were offline that she looks just like the image that's on her website. So that authentic person makes a difference. So her company is dedicated to empowering women coaches, consultants, and mentors to unlock their true potential and achieve that authentic success. So I want to get right into that. So Lorraine, introduce our audience to you. Tell our audience. Who is Lorraine? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here with you and your listeners. Um, My name is Lorraine and I describe myself as a former engineer, part-time stand-up comedian, voracious tea drinker and wannabe race car driver because that's, that's who I am. And then, of course, the professional aspect of it, though, is that I've been a professional coach in this industry since 2006. So I am absolutely passionate about giving people a space to explore who they are at their core and do a whole lot of unlearning. I'm much more focused on unlearning with my clients before we can learn some new stuff. So really figuring out what works for my clients and keeping that and letting go of some beliefs, some patterns that that no longer serve them. My calling is to provide a beacon of trust in an industry that has exploded over the last decade and sometimes it can be really tricky to navigate. So I really want to be that place where people can go and they know that they're going to get the truth and they know that they're going to work with someone who is absolutely dedicated to integrity and continual professional development. Um, yeah, I'll stop there because I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack more over the course of the conversation. 
Lorraine, that, that's exciting. And I'll, I'll just kind of sit back a little bit and say, well, thank you for the free coaching, because that's what I'm going to get today. <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine, I, I, I want to ask you, you, you've done so much, and it's so interesting, your journey and all of the uh, experiences that you've had. How did you get to this point where you are right now at this particular time when it comes to your commitment to coaching? Thank you for that question. I think everyone who is in this field of work has a story. You know, something has happened to them to make them want to follow this path. And and that is true. I was an engineer and people go, how did you go from engineering to doing what you do now? There was definitely a moment that that was a catalyst for it. And I had been an engineer, a female engineer in the 90s and, and early 2000s. There weren't very many of us. There still are not enough of us. But I had had a successful career. And the type of engineering that I did was I designed mobile phone networks. So I would go in at the start of a company, we would design and build the, the network and then the company would grow around it and then I'd move on and, and into another startup. So I would work with a company for a few years, then I'd move on to another company and then another one. And I ended up in, a, in an organization where my manager had never had a female engineer before. And often I think when I say that, people who hear that, they, they conjure this image of some sort of bully, masculine, boss type character. And he wasn't like that at all. You could not have met a nicer man. He really was a genuinely nice guy. But he didn't know how to create an environment where I could be at my best. So having come through and been a really successful student, having known what the rules are of the environment and being able to play to my good girl conditioning and know how to succeed, suddenly I was in an environment where it didn't matter how hard I worked. It didn't matter how good my skills were. I didn't fit in to the environment and therefore I was always going to be like the lowest of the low in terms of that group of engineers. And that was hugely damaging to me, my identity that I had for myself, for my career. It was just, it was a really interesting time. And round about that same time, I had my family. So I took that break from engineering and really had to heal from what had happened and understand what had happened. And also having had children where your values change, I was like, okay, I need something different. And I thought I was going to become a counsellor, but I didn't really want to work with people who weren't mentally well I didn't think that was my that wasn't quite where I was meant to be and then I discovered coaching and my husband came home from a conference and he gave me this book in my kitchen he said here I think you might like this and it was coaching for performance by Sir John Whitmore and I inhaled it I was like oh my god this is the thing I can help people reach their potential and they're already well and I can just help them be more successful and so I inhaled some more books and I did some certifications and I started learning and learning and I've never stopped. But it was that moment of understanding that leadership is about creating an environment for everyone to be at their best. And that's what I took with me as I moved forward. And without taking up the whole podcast with my story, the shortened version is that I did get another opportunity to go back into engineering I took all of those coaching skills with me and had a completely different experience and in fact became a leader in that engineering company and created a culture from the engineering team that led the entire organization. And we won external awards for that culture as well. So it was beautiful to come full circle and be able to heal that. Yeah. Well, you know, Lorraine, that's a beautiful story in that yes. it's all of our story. And it's how you, it's not what happens, it's how you deal with what happens that matters. Because we're all here for a purpose. And life has a way of turning us upside down and twisting us around and putting us in situations and circumstances that causes 
suffering in order for us to wake up. I was looking at your bio, and you empower women. I mean, you're really big into empowering women. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at you as a trailblazer, if you will, because you went into a an industry where there were mostly men, and you had to experience what it's like to be an outsider, if you will. And that resistance, that experience, you could have just continued to go with the flow and not listen to that voice inside and make excuses and justify certain behaviors that causes you to be uncomfortable and not happy or not at peace, but you didn't. And you chose to deal with it in a way where you had came to a place of acceptance to say, no, this is not something that I want to do as a mother and as a wife. And your husband gave you that, that was that aha moment. That was that aha moment to say, whatever it is that I've been looking for in my life, this is it. And you have had the opportunity to not accept. You you went into an acceptance, but you went into a surrender and a transcendence. And in your transcendence, here we are. And all of the people that you've have empowered, all of the people that you've inspired. So that really is a very wonderful story. And I want to go deeper into some of the areas of your evolution as we go through this um, podcast. Well, she definitely rebooted her optimism. That is for sure. And the fact that you were able to capitalize on that the second time around. So let's talk about optimism. Mm. It's usually defined as a hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. What does optimism mean to you? Uh, so optimism for me is more of an energy. So if I am embodying the energy of optimism, then it's a lighter energy. It's full of possibilities. It gets me into a different thinking space. So for me, embracing optimism is, it's, it's energy, it's movement, it's motivation, it's possibility. So it's, it's, it's also my top core priority value. So everything for me stems from optimism and, and holding that. That doesn't mean that I'm optimistic 100% of the time, <laughs> but it does mean that I know that that's my, that's my lighthouse. So optimism is my lighthouse. If I'm veering off track, then if I can come back to optimism, then I can see things in a different way. And that often opens up possibilities. What that, that is really interesting in that optimism, enthusiasm is a modality. Is mm -hmm. a modality that we connect to as individuals that carry the frequency. And when you are in line with what you enjoy, when you are in line, and it doesn't matter what it is, if whatever the thing is not what you do, is how you do what you do and what flows into what you do to serve a greater good. And so in that enthusiasm, in that optimism, it is, number one, you know, when you align yourself up with your purpose, when you realize that this is what I want to do, this is what the universe has been trying to guide me, and this is my, my lights are turned on, and this is what brings me joy. And in aligning yourself with that, the enthusiasm that comes through you as you serve the greater good, and you, I, I use that, I would say that that is optimism, because you are the light. And I am just so excited to read about you and to see all of the wonderful things that you have been able to do aligning yourself up with a higher good. So, Lorraine, let, let's ask this. How do you stay optimistic? Now, I did hear you, I, hear, I heard you say earlier, I'm not always optimistic. And who yeah. is? I mean, of course, none of us are. We have good days and bad days all the time. But even with that, it's the greater good. So why is it important? So, again, for me, I can... 
I can be much more effective if I'm coming from that lens of optimism because it gives me the motivation, it gives me the possibilities, it gives me a different outlook. So if I'm not feeling so optimistic, if, you know, as as Emmanuel, you said, you know, this journey of entrepreneurism, it, it takes you, there are ups and downs. And sometimes it's a challenge when you're juggling all the things or You've put so much effort and love and time and energy into something and it doesn't work the way that you had hoped it worked. There's disappointment in the journey and sometimes that can knock that optimism. So to come back to it, what I tend to ask myself is, okay, I might not be feeling optimistic right now, But what would it look like if I let optimism lead in this moment, in this situation? If I let optimism take the lead, what would be different? Which I think is is a nuance, but an easier, I'm all about doing things the easy way, by the way. I don't like doing things, making things difficult for me or my clients. So rather than that sort of giving myself pressure of, oh, I feel disappointed, but I need to be optimistic. Well, what's the easiest way to get back to that place of of being optimistic? Well, what would it be like if I let optimism lead me? And that is a a really big shift for me. So hopefully it works for your listeners as well. That's significant. Go go ahead, Emmanuel. (laughs) You know, optimism is the absence of fear. Optimism is the absence of negative resistance. And I think a lot of times when people are in situations and circumstances that they really don't want to be in, but they settle, it's hard to find that optimism. You find the optimism for me as an entrepreneur, and I'm an engineer, I've been an engineer for many years. It's really about what gets me out of the bed in the morning when my back is against the wall. What is it that motivate me when I can't see my way out of no way that I still continue to push through? Mm -hmm. And for me, it is the joy of making a difference in people's life. Not money. It's not money. It is the joy of realizing what my true purpose is and where I find that true peace and that true understanding and that true ability to be true to myself. And when I look at that, I look at it in a way that there is no good or there is no bad. You know, whatever it is that I'm facing, you know, I'm judging if I can judge it good or bad. It's just a greater good because we're all those caterpillars that is going through this metamorphosis, um, coming out of these cocoons to become a beautiful butterfly. Could you imagine if a caterpillar that was transcending into a beautiful butterfly, which already has its, has its purpose made out for this caterpillar before he even got here. Could you imagine if this caterpillar had a human mind and how he was judging the situation? What is this hair doing growing on me? Why am I getting so big? Why am I following up in this cocoon? Oh, I'm about to die. I'm, I mean, just think about it. But we're all those caterpillars that is in the process of becoming a beautiful butterfly. And the life lessons that we learn, it is a part of the greater good. Now, it's interesting. As a couple, Emayo and I, in business together, it's always one of those situations where when we are co-creating, we often have to um, understand how the other is feeling. So, Lorraine... How do you remain optimistic when others around you are not? I think that the way that I deal with that, and <laughs> I'm laughing in my myself, you can, if you can see my my face, the thinking that's going on behind that is that because my I, I'm not in business with my husband. My husband has his own business and I have my own business. And we learned very early on to stay out of each other's businesses (laughs) because we're so different. And he has a very different outlook to me. And I can perceive that as negative. That's my perception. It's not 
who he is, but it's my perception. And so I can, I, that's why I'm, I'm smiling and, and laughing when you ask me that question. But how I deal with that when I'm surrounded by people who are, are, are not in that optimistic space, and that happened with my team on occasion, it happened in other organizations that I've been in, and I work with other people in my business, and sometimes that happens then. The one thing that I come back to is who do I want to be in this? Because that's something that I get to choose every time. So who do I want to be in this? And I will always choose optimism over negativity. Got it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's interesting in that when you say you choose, that requires a certain amount of awareness. The ability to be able to say, I got a choice, requires a certain amount of awareness. It requires a certain amount of being able to see. Because a lot of times people can't even see their suffering. They can't even realize that they're in suffering situations. So they just suffer. But mm-hmm. you says that, wow, there's a light that's turned on to say, I have a choice in this situation. And that's the beginning of the healing process. And my question to that is, as a coach, when you are dealing with people or you're dealing with situations that is resistance or that is creating a challenge or a fear, and you're dealing with coaching people, how do you help them to get beyond those barriers? That's a great question. And and that is the coaching process. So um, there are a number of ways and a number of tools that, that I use. One of them is what I talked about earlier about, you know, what would it look like to let one of my clients' values lead in this moment? So rather than me project my values onto them, I do a lot of values work with my clients. So what would it be like to, to let love lead in this moment? What would it be like to let freedom lead in this moment? But again, it's, it's, for me, there's a process of, of breaking down the environment so that my client feels more empowered and they can choose how they want to be in any situation. Many of my clients come to me, you mentioned, Angela, that I I focus predominantly with, with women, empowering women, and many of them come to me because they have spent their entire lives being told how to be. Be good, be quiet, be nice, be successful. It's it's all about how to be rather than what they can do or anything that's practical. Their, their, their personalities are attacked. Their appearance is ta- attacked. So when they come to me, they don't feel like they have the power to change any of that because everyone around them all through their lives has been telling them how to be. So my work as a coach is helping them to see that they get to choose. It's interesting, Lorraine, because you're the coach's coach. Yeah. So you're you're one that, yes, you will have your own coaching clients, but you're focusing on those others that coach others. So it, it, it's, a, it's amazing. When you think about that, on your website, you said nurturing a high vibe of hope and positivity. More details, please. Tell me more. I'd love to hear more about that, especially in light of you're passing it along. That's right. And and I mean, that that is the thing that I'm most proud of. It is the thing that means the most to me is that ripple effect. So my clients, and, and I don't want this to sound as if I'm claiming any success from my clients. I am proud of my clients' success. So I get to, you know, kind of like a proud parent when they go off and they're successful. I'm not claiming that as my success. I'm I'm celebrating that success. But I also get to celebrate the success of my students' clients. And that is just next level to see my students go out and transform the lives of their clients. Because with every person that we touch, we are giving them permission to be themselves. We're giving them permission to find their authentic impact. So we're role modeling that and that's giving 
them permission and then the ripple effect of them giving others I mean this this it is it's something that can grow and it can spread and we can really make a a massive worldwide change because for years I I thought oh I've got to be the best this or the only that and I really struggled with that because I don't believe that I am the only one that can do what I do and I don't believe that I am the best at coaching I hold myself to a high standard. But when I realize that I can contribute to this movement of empowering people to be role models, to be their best, to find that they are who they are supposed to be and have no regrets. This is so important to me to live their life and go, yeah, okay, well, things maybe didn't work out the way I thought they were going to work out, but I don't have any regrets. That's why I'm here. Lorraine, I have a question. When you were the little kid mm-hmm. and where you are now, the interactions or the desires that you had when you was little, and you try to connect the dots with the things that you've experienced with your life and where you are now, could you look back and see that there were some characteristics when I was a little kid that I am now connected to to get me the, the kind of the desire and the passion to be where I am right now? Do you see a correlation or connection with activities as a young kid and where you are now and what you're doing? I do, but it was a very young kid and there is a very big block in the middle where I was in that place of being told what to do and how to be and the behaviours that others were were displaying to me had a really big impact on me. But I'll tell you the story that, that does answer that question. And I was four years old. I remember being four years old and my mum was trying to get me to finish my 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 meal my my dinner and I had one piece of food left on the plate and it was it's something it was a Scottish thing it's called a tatty scone right and it, it was just it's like a potato and flour fried bread thing and it's actually really yum but I had one piece left on my plate and she was trying to get me to finish it and she'd be like you know if you don't finish it then there's no dessert for you or you know, if you do finish it, then you can have a treat. Or, you know, she was trying everything that she could think of to get me to finish it. And then she said at one point, she was like, the poor wee thing's lonely there on the plate all by itself. You should eat it up so it's not lonely anymore. Which, as a parent myself, I'm like, oh, that was brilliant. But no, I didn't eat it. I cut it in half and said, there, it's not lonely anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That is interesting. And it's that way of looking at things from a different perspective, something that's a little bit different is what I do now. So that was the, that glimmer and that connection that, that you asked about, Emmanuel. But between that age of four and for a very, very long time, no, because I had been, I had fallen into that conditioning. I had fallen into that place where I was allowing other people's opinions and expectations mold who I was being in that moment. And it wasn't who I am. Have you ever shared that story with anyone in terms of what you did at dinner time when you cut things in half and made that connection? Have you shared that story before? I have, yeah. I have. People love it. <laughs> Right. That is very interesting. But I get your point that for a really long time, women, but I, I think people in general, but especially women, you fall into the mode of expectations. What what do people expect you to be, as you said? So let's talk about this. How do you convey optimism to others during a change you may not agree with? Yes. And I know you and said that- you allow them to have their values. I heard you say that earlier. Uh, I, I, this is tough. Come on, I'm here. It More is. details, and, and please. <laughs> especially when you when you're a leader, that happens. You know, sometimes you have to give information, uh, or there's a situation that is not ideal, and you know that it's going to disappoint people. You know, I would disappoint my engineers quite often because, you know, my engineers they want everything to be perfect. They you know, we want to engineer everything to the nth degree. Emmanuel, you might be able to 
to um, align with this. We want to do the best that we can do. But when you're part of a big organization and it's not just about the engineering anymore, it's about sales and marketing and HR, then there are compromises that have to be made. And sometimes the engineers don't love that. So when I have to share information that I know might not be received well, what helps me in those moments is thinking about, okay, well, what do they need? So rather than making it about me and going, yeah, well, I don't agree with this and, you know, we just have to suck it up, that is not helpful for my team because they're looking at me to lead the culture in that moment. And that's not an optimistic culture. So we're not in that energy of motivation and what else is possible. So in those moments, I have to think about, okay, what's most important to the people that I am delivering this message to? What are their values, their priorities, their preferences? And I try to deliver that information sympathetically to that, their perspective. So it means that not necessarily, you know, everybody's going to be happy, but we're in more of a collaborative space from that point. So I can appeal to, okay, well, look, I know that you really want to do the best job that you can do right now. However, we have these constraints, but remember, this is what is going to give our customers the best result. And that's going to allow us to continue to serve, to continue to run this organization and and we will find ways of you doing the best that you can do in this in these circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, what it says to me is your ability to have compassion. Mm-hmm. Right? Because everybody don't think the same. And everybody is not on the same wavelength in terms of understanding that you're on. And now the coach is very important to be able to realize, wait a minute, let me look at it in a different way and let me help to understand my pupil so that they may not understand it the way that I understand it, but at least I can kind of bend and help them at least get to that next phase until they are ready to go to the next level. I'll give you an example. And when I was reading about you and I was reading about coaching, Coaching came to my mind as, in a lot of people's mind, like, this is a coach and this is a student. Well, for me, we play a lot of roles in our lives. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a business owner. I'm a community leader, right? And when you talk about coaching, you're talking about your ability to set an example so that people can see and learn. And how you carry yourself in those roles We're all our coaches in one way or the other, whether we realize it or not, right? So in a coaching process, I think that the most important thing that you can exemplify as a coach is your ability to show compassion and your ability to be patient with people and allow them that space to be able to look at a situation and analyze it and hopefully that they will grow from it. But if they don't, that's where they are. You have to meet them where they are. Absolutely need to meet them where they are. What makes me a little bit different in the way that I coach and the way that I teach coaching is that what I'm doing when I'm working with my clients is not necessarily working with them on their particular challenge, which might sound a little bit strange. But what I am actually doing is working with them on the energy and the charge that they feel around that challenge. So taking them from that space of maybe feeling disappointed or frustrated or overwhelmed and moving them into an energy like optimism that gives them a completely different outlook on the problem. Mm-hmm. So my role as a coach is is definitely, yes, I want to role model that, but also it's a little bit um, it's a little bit different to the way that a lot of other coaches operate, that they, you know, they provide 
a space to uncover the obstacles to the, the block and the opportunities and to create an action plan and steps. I do that in a slightly nuanced way where I'm changing the energy or the charge around a situation so that my client can look at it in a different way and feel different about it. Lorraine, let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's go a little yeah. bit deeper. So a lot of our listeners, they have the question of, I want to start a business or I want to grow my business, scale my business, but I have been in this funk. I'm not getting enough sales. I don't have enough money. I can't find people. I have no help. Um, All of these things. So they've been in a prolonged negative space. Hmm. How do you recommend that they flip that switch and reboot their optimism? I love that you use the the term flip that switch because my coaching model is called switch (laughs) and it is a little bit like flicking a switch so what I am going to say is simple it's not necessarily easy when you've been in that funk for a long time it's easy to feel downtrodden it's easy to feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and really we need to change that we need to shift that feeling so that you can look at things with that fresh enthusiasm that you had at the beginning when you had the idea for your business or when you first started your business because if we didn't have that enthusiasm we would never have got off the ground right there's so much that goes into getting started so we want to come back to that and that can feel difficult and it is down to that old adage of the thinking that got you into the problem isn't the thinking that's going to get you out of the problem but for me I prefer to think about it as that feeling that got you into the problem isn't the feeling that is going to get you out of the problem. So think about how does it feel to feel downtrodden and overwhelmed? What does that feel like? Mm -hmm. And that's something that we often don't spend a lot of time considering. Like, what does it actually feel like? We use labels to describe those feelings like overwhelmed and downtrodden and negative and disappointed. But what does that actually, excuse me, feel like in your body? And it's often described as a heaviness, a darkness. And that's not the place that we want to be starting something new or growing something. So imagining the feeling that you would rather have is usually described to me as more of a lightness and expansion. So if you are in that space and you recognize that, you're feeling that heaviness, that darkness. That's the thing that we need to change. And there are lots and lots of different ways to do that. One of the easiest ones is to simply move your body, is to simply adopt a different physical stance, a more expansive stance. And there's a lot of neuroscience behind this will will help you to access feelings that are more positive. So really shifting how you feel will help you to think in a different way. Let's talk a little bit about your ability to increase somebody's energy to make them a Mm -hmm. better person. Because you're the coach's coach. And your your model is energy. Because that's what we all are. We are all energy. And Mm -hmm. in that, you know, when you're taking somebody from a, a, a negative to a positive, there has to be a transition. There has to be a um, something that has to change. And when you are have a, enough energy, when you have enough awareness to yourself, where you can walk into a person's life and transform their life in a way where they are at a higher energy frequency than they were when you first walked in. And they were able to pull your energy from you. One of the things that I kind of look at is what is it about them that not you're not really adding, but you are letting them see what they need to be removed. For an mm-hmm. example, if I'm holding on to pain, then what's under that pain? Fear. What's under that fear? An experience, right? And so... A lot of times when we walk around in resistance and in a suffering state, we don't even really realize we're suffering. 
And that is the darkness. That's what keeps us stuck. That's what keeps us vibrating in a way where we continue to, to attract what we keep getting. But when you're able to turn on the light like you do, and in terms of increasing the energy vibration, are you going from it from a perspective of, I know you got compassion for your coaches. I know you understand your coaches. I know you understand what buttons to push. Are you coming from it to saying, well, I'm giving you or I'm letting you see what you need to move in order to increase your vibrational frequency? Yeah, absolutely that. It's about recognizing what we need to let go of. And much of the time it is coming from a place of unconscious fear and then subconscious protection. So the latest research into the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that runs all the way through our body, has shown us that 80% of information is actually traveling from body to brain, not brain to body, which is what we thought for a long time. So what that means is that we are acting on things that we are not even aware of before it reaches our brain and we can have cognitive thought around it. And that's why, you know, we can have self-sabotaging behavior. You know, say we're, you know, we keep on failing in our healthy eating plan or our our exercise plan, but logically we know what we need to do, but somehow we keep getting in our own way. That explains it. So it's really understanding what is serving you and what has served you up until a point has kept you safe and thanking that and then letting it go so that you can step into that next version of yourself. And that happens a lot in entrepreneurship because my coaches that I train are often in their own business as well. So then I'm working with other entrepreneurs. And so it's getting them out of their own way when it comes to fear, because in order to do something new, we have to put ourselves in a inherently risky situation, which our bodies don't like. And our primal instincts don't like that because they're still operating in that ancient fight, flight, life or death situation. So um, it's, it's understanding that, unpeeling those layers recognizing that that's what's happening and the fact that we are uncomfortable is probably not going to be fatal. So it's allowing us to move forward safely and breaking those self-sabotage patterns, breaking those unconscious fear patterns. So very much as you described, um, Emmanuel, it's not about me giving uh, my clients anything. It's about me shining a light on and giving them the awareness, I suppose, for them to choose what to keep, what to release, and what to replace that with. That's beautiful. You know, one of the most important things I think a person can be responsible, must be responsible for, is their state of consciousness. What they think, what they feel, what they believe, and their personality. Because what you are is what you're going to get. If you're looking at life from the perspective that the cup is half empty, then that's what you're going to attract. But if you're looking at the cup from life from the perspective of the cup is half full, then that's what you're going to attract because we're energy. We attract what we are, right? So my question becomes, and I ask myself this, is that if the state of consciousness that I am is the most important thing that I have to take responsibility for as an individual to create the life that I want to create, what determines my state of consciousness? And what determines my state of consciousness is my degree of presence, my ability to be able to say, oh, wait a minute. Fear is a psychological, if we, you know, it's different type of fear. You got primordial fear where the bear come out the woods and attack you, you're going to defend yourself. But most of our fears are self-inflicted and they're psychological. And I call that the matrix because we're all walking around telling ourselves these stories that we are, the body are reacting to, and we keep ourselves in that state of panic. So my question to you is, when you're dealing with your clients, when it comes to fear, how do you help them? And I know you gave some examples, but how, is, is there any other tools that you have in your toolbox that you help them to overcome or go beyond those fears? 
Yes, I'm so excited that you asked this question. <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm going to refer to one of my teachers, um, Tara Moore, who is another coach who's amazing. And, and I learned this from her. I share with my clients two types of fear. So in ancient Hebrew, there are two words for fear. Pahad, which is the fear of projected or imagined things. And yira, which is the fear of inhabiting a larger space. So pahad is that fear that is keeping us stuck. It's the, you know, it stops us from doing things because what if, what if, what if. Yira is the fear that we want to embrace and step into and recognize that, yes, this is scary. It's going to maybe make me more visible that is going to trigger some of that primal fear because being visible is a risk. But actually, it's okay because it's in line with my calling. This is what I need to do in order to get to the next step. Whereas being trapped by pahad, that, that what if fear, that's going to keep us trapped. So we want to get past that fear and use all of our tools, letting optimism lead and you know doing breathing tools and all of the other things that I teach my coaches. But Yira is, is we want to step into that, embrace it, recognize that even though it's uncomfortable, that feeling will dissipate. And that's something else that I learned far too late in life that I had been taught as a child, don't be free, don't be afraid, don't be angry, don't be scared, don't be sad. That was drummed into me. And then we were distracted from feeling those feelings. And it all came from a very beautiful place. You know, it was caregivers who know how painful those feelings are. So they didn't want me to experience them. But what that did was it robbed me of the, the deep embodied knowing that I could survive that discomfort. Because we never question when we're happy, the curve of happiness so, you know, we start at a baseline and something happens and it makes us happy and we start that feeling starts to grow. And then eventually it kind of like a bell curve, it reaches its its apex and then it starts to dissipate. dissipate. Mm-hmm. But when we're told don't feel this way, we never experience that growth of the, the discomfort but then we don't experience the fact that it too will dissipate and we will survive that feeling. And that is really where I believe resilience and empowerment comes from. It's in the deep embodied knowledge that I will survive being uncomfortable. And that is stepping into Yira. That is stepping into those places where, yes, this is uncomfortable, but I am going to do it anyway and I'm going to survive. And then the next time, maybe it won't be so intense or maybe the feeling won't last as long before it dissipates. So recognizing the difference between those two fears, the what if fear, the fear of projected or imagined things and the fear of stepping into something that is bigger than what I am used to and allowing myself to feel uncomfortable and survive it and recognize that I've done that. Wow, you just gave some actionable tips for sure which is what our whole show is about, discussing passion and finding purpose. Now, let me ask you this question as we start to wrap up this episode. Can you be overly optimistic? (laughs) I do think that you can be overly optimistic if you're blindly optimistic. You know, if you're just blindly optimistic without having the awareness of what is required to get to where it is that you want to go. So we can't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's all going to fall into place unless you're actually doing something to help it fall into place. So, yes, I think blind optimism is being overly optimistic. Awesome. Imayo, any last words before we get Lorraine's contact information so our listeners know how to reach her? Yeah, Lorraine, I I just loved how you explain fears. And that's, that is really powerful because I think the, that is what causes so much suffering in the world that we're experiencing today. And it's the fear of really of their people's own thoughts. And suffering plays a noble role in our evolution. 
and I and I look at it as the boogeyman in the closet, where somebody says if you go to you got to go to bed and you got to be in the bed because if you do anything, the boogeyman is in the closet is going to jump out and get you. So you be a good kid and you go be, go to bed. So you go through life suffering, afraid, and one day through your suffering, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you said choice comes into play, and you go and open up the closet door, right? And you look in there and you say, I've been suffering all these years and there's nothing in this closet. And I think the thoughts that we have, the psychological thoughts that we continue to impose on ourselves and our emotions and in our thoughts, is that boogeyman in the closet. And I'm just so grateful that you are one of those coaches that is turning on those lights. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your light and the service to humanity because you are definitely valued and needed in these days and times. Thank you so much. And yet one of one of a growing number, thankfully, not doing it out there on my own, but certainly hoping to support and lead others to do the same work. So you would say that you found your purpose in helping others. Yeah. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Awesome. All right, Lorraine, how can our listeners get in touch with you? What's the best email address or LinkedIn profile? How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yes. So the best place to go is my website, which is LorraineHamilton.net. And hopefully we'll be able to put that in the show notes so that you can get the the spelling. Um, That's the most up-to-date place. And usually I have some sort of giveaway on the, the website where you can learn a little bit more about me in return for your email address. Uh, and you can contact me from that page as well. But I'm also active on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And I'm quite easy to find if you search Lorraine Hamilton Coach. Fantastic. We're going to make sure we connect with you on all of those properties. So, Lorraine, we are so happy to have you today as our guest. You have definitely shared some insight. And how much do I owe you? Because I definitely got a (laughs) session today. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So you've been listening to more details, please, on Phoenix Business Radio X. The podcast is brought to you by Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company that saves the planet one franchise at a time. So next time, until next time, I'm Angela. And Emmanuel Williams. And thank you, Lorraine. Thank you for listening to More Details, Please. Presented by Emmanuel and Angela Williams from Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company dedicated to protecting the planet. Be sure to subscribe to More Details, Please on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook at Detail Experts and visit detailexperts.net. That's D-E-T-A-I-L-X-P-E-R-T-S dot net. We hope you've gained some valuable insights from our conversations today. Stay driven by curiosity, and we'll bring you more details next time.